Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord. Come on, does anybody feel the Holy Ghost in this house? Let's give him great praise. Let's give him great praise. Hallelujah. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen. It feels so good to be in the house of the Lord here this afternoon and to be in God's presence uh, with you all. Amen. As was already mentioned, it's so good to have all of our guests and visitors. How many excited about what God's doing in this season? Amen. Come on. He's changing lives. He's moving in mighty ways. Amen. And uh, as, as Brother Diaz mentioned, it's good to have the Gideon family with us uh, all the way from Fallon, Silver Springs area. They've been coming for the last few weeks, and we're so happy to have you. Amen. And uh, he, he's working. They work every other week. And so he said, well, on the days that we've got uh, available, we're just going to have double church. We'll be out in Carson. So I love that attitude. I love that spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before we get to the Word of God, if you'll turn your attention directly to the back of the building. <laughs> uh, now those on the camera they won't be able to see this uh, but that right back there's our building fund now we've not mentioned it for a minute but let me tell you it has made giant leaps and bounds in the last little bit elder bobo can you take that thing up to about two hundred and twenty thousand dollars church you ought to shout and praise god we're closer than we have ever been because the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of God's people, that's a $10,000 increase towards our building fund. Somebody ought to give God a great praise. Hallelujah. I think that beacon's getting ready to explode. I think somebody ought to just lose their mind for about 30 seconds. Come on. Because God's faithful, we're faithful. And because we're faithful, God is more and more faithful. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. It's so good. It's so exciting. You know, that is, that is a huge, huge accomplishment. Uh, that's due to the faithfulness of God and God's people. And uh, we are just a few, uh, we've, from our pledge, we're about $15,000 shy, and we are only seven months into the year. And so uh, if we just made in, in, in about a month $10,000 increase, I'm just looking forward. We might have to print another one, or maybe what we'll do is we'll just pay, take some paper and we'll just put it up all the wall and we'll get the building fund to go to here. I don't know. We'll figure something out. Uh, but, you know, that's a huge deal. And uh, somebody once said, now I don't necessarily believe this 100%, but they said money makes the world go around. And, and uh, the Bible does say money answereth all things. And so uh, for us to move towards our next facility and to be able to purchase, it takes dinero, it takes money. And uh, I want to just compliment the church on your faithfulness. And uh, that just puts us closer and closer and closer. And as we do that, the more and more uh, the banks look at us favorably. Uh, just everything just works out in our favor. And, and that's just a good thing in Jesus' name. And somebody said amen. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to the book of Judges, chapter 14. Also want to let you know um, that next Sunday, uh, Reverend Salute Keeflay from the Bay Area is going to be preaching here. And uh, he's already blessed this church before, but you don't want to miss it. It's going to be a great time in Jesus' name. Judges chapter 14 and verse number 5. The Bible says, Then Samson, then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnath and came to the vineyards of Timnath. And behold, a young lion roared against him. 
And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he rent him as he would have rent a kid. And he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father or his mother what he had done. And he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. And after a time, he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. And he took thereof in his hands and went on eating and came to his father and mother, and he gave them, and they did eat. But he told, he told not them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. So his father went down unto the woman, and Samson made there a feast, for so used the young men to do. And it came to pass when they saw him that they brought 30 companions to be with him. And Samson said unto them, I will now put forth a riddle unto you, if you can certainly declare it me within the seven days of the feast, and find it out, then I will give you 30 sheets and 30 changes of garments. But if you cannot declare it me, then, I, then you shall give me 30 sheets and 30 changes of garments. And they said unto him, Put forth thy riddle, that we may hear it. And he said unto them, Out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweetness. And they could not in three days expound the riddle. Out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweetness. And I want to preach to us for a few moments on this subject and hopefully be a blessing to somebody. The sweetness is in the struggle. The sweetness is in the struggle. Would you set down your Bibles and lift up your hands all across this building and let's pray together as a church. We give you glory, Jesus. We're believing, God, that you're going to do a great work in this house. God, that you're going to move in a mighty way. Hallelujah, that you're going to touch lives. God, you're going to bring about revelation, God. There's going to be encouragement, amen, for somebody here this afternoon, God. And we're giving you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. Somebody give him glory. Somebody clap your hands and shout to the Lord with that voice of triumph. Praise God. Amen. Turn to your neighbor, give him an elbow bump or a fist bump, and tell him the sweetness is in the struggle. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. It's good to see so many smiling faces in the house of God today in Jesus' wonderful name. Hallelujah. There's nothing like coming to church. Hallelujah. The sweetness is in the struggle. Much of Samson's life, was not his choice. And we see that because when we look at the life of Samson, and there are many things that we could talk about here today, but I want to focus in on just a portion of his life. I've spent many years dissecting the life of Samson, and, and uh, it has just continually intrigued me. Samson is one of three people to have his birth announced by an angel. One of them was John the Baptist, the other was Jesus, and then finally there was Samson. We see that there is potential and there is purpose from his very birth. Now, uh, you don't necessarily have to have your life announced by an angel. Maybe your mother was that angel. But I want you to know here this afternoon that God has got a purpose for you. Amen. Praise God. But there was something unique and something specific 
that Samson had to do in his life. Amen. There's many things that we can learn about Samson, and we see it as we read the story, and you can always read that at another time. But God gifts Samson with a unique power and a unique ability, amen, to do mighty deeds and mighty acts in the wonderful uh, name of God. And so Samson, he, he comes out of the womb announced by God that he is going to be a Nazarite. I don't have time here today to talk all about what goes into that, but basically a Nazarite is one that, that does not cut their hair. It is a, a declaration unto the Lord. They do not drink any, anything that is a derivative from the grapevine, any wine, and they do not touch dead things. Now, we find later in Samson's life that he breaks all of those things, and when he breaks all those things, he ends up losing his power. And for those that don't believe in separation from the world and holiness, let me just tell you, uh, some people go, man, I've, I've had people come to church and, and I brought visitors. They said, man, we sure love what we feel, but we'd like to change a few things that we see. Uh, and we can just simply look right back at them and tell them that what you feel, amen, is directly connected and related to what you see. Amen. If you feel the power of God, that's because you're in a church of separation. That's because you're in a church, amen, that worships God. You're in a church that prays and seeks his face. Hallelujah. You're in a church, amen, that has said we are in this world, but we are not of this world. We have disconnected ourselves, amen, from all the things of this world. For my Bible tells me, amen, if any man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Hallelujah. We got a lot of love of God in this building in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. But Samson, he lives this life that he did not choose. It was declared unto his parents, and his parents being godly people, made the decision they're going to obey God. And I thank God for every parent, amen, that has chosen to obey God. Because when you obey God, it affects your kids. It affects your grandkids. Amen. That's exactly what happened in Acts chapter 2. He said the promise is to you. And once it gets to you, it's for your children. And then for the next generations, as many down the line, as the Lord our God shall call. Amen. You may not even be married. You may not have kids. But the decisions you make today affect generation after generation after generation. I made it up in my mind a long time ago. I'm going to serve the Lord and there will be no other gods before him. Because i got to make it where my kids can serve God. My grandkids can serve God. Oh, somebody ought to praise him. Hallelujah. That power that came from God was because his parents were obedient and served God. The power on the kids comes from the obedience of the parents. Amen. But then it must transfer. must transfer to the kids and they must take it up themselves. Amen. But you see that most of Samson's life, and some have used this to try to prove uh, the, the false theology of predestination, that Samson had no choices. But if you read the book of Judges, you'll actually find it's quite the opposite. There's a theme in the book of Judges that every man did that which was right in their own eyes because there was no king in Israel, nobody to tell them what to do. They made choices and decisions. And Samson is no different. Some would say, well, he didn't have much choice 
in his life. And, and he, was, he was told by God to do, amen, the, the Nazarite vow and to live a certain way. And he didn't have much of a choice in the matter. And you find throughout Samson's life there's many things that happen. Amen. We we talk about it today that lions roar against him, that the Philistines rise against him. They're always binding him up and they're always putting him in chains and they're always trying to pluck out his eyes and kill the man and tempt the man. And, and there's all these things that, that Samson goes through. Amen. And, and many people would say, well, he did not have much choice. It was decisions that were made from the previous generation and I know some people that that their parents were obedient to God and they served God and they are born and they sleep under a pew and they say well this wasn't my choice this wasn't my decision and so they go out and start making radical changes and radical decisions that are opposite to the things that God amen has put in their life I've seen that happen amen it's unfortunate but I've also seen it from the other side there are people that because of the decisions of previous generations, uh, their mothers were alcoholics, uh, their fathers were drug addicts, uh, and they were born, amen, into dysfunction. And they say, Lord, uh, this is not my choice. Uh, this is not my fault. Uh, I did not decide this. Uh, and I want to preach to everybody on either side of the spectrum, uh, amen, that even though there were decisions made before your birth uh, that affected your life, uh, you still got a choice in the matter. I've seen people come uh, from good homes, uh, amen, with a house on the hill and make terrible decisions, uh, and they end up in a negative position. But I've also seen people, amen, that came from the bottom of the bottom. Uh, they came from the miry clay, but God picked them up, uh, and they made decisions uh, that said, I won't stay here forever. Can I preach to the church? Uh, you got a choice in the matter. you got a decision you can make uh, that will determine uh, whether you're on your way to heaven or on your way to hell. You got a decision whether you're going to be blessed or whether you're going to live a life on the bottom. You got a decision and you can make it and God will honor. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give him praise. You may not feel like it. You feel like you don't have a choice. That choices have been made for you. Decisions have been made for you. Amen. But we find in the life of Samson, although there were things outside of his control, he had decisions to make with what was in his control. There's a lot of people play the blame game. Well, it's not my fault. But ultimately, we all have decisions to make. Samson makes those decisions with what comes before him. Amen. We all can have that ability to still make decisions. Amen. In fact, for those that come from the struggle, you can make a decision for the next generation that they won't have to struggle like that. As a church, we can make the decision every time we give to the vision, amen, that the next generation, they're going to have their own place. Amen. We make decisions based on what is presented unto us. But there's many people that fall into the trap of why me? Why me? You can look through your Bible and you will find people that are just, amen, like Samson. Every time something bad happens, he has decisions to make. Can he look up to heaven and cry, why me? You can find Jonah in the Bible that when God called him to go to Nineveh, instead 
He looked up and said, why me? Why can't you send somebody else? Why can't you use somebody else? I know what they do to prophets in Nineveh. They kill them. I know it's going to be a struggle. I know it's going to be a challenge. And there's always a decision to be made when you are presented with a challenge. There is always decisions to be made when you are presented with a, an option to struggle or to not struggle, to fight or to not fight, amen, to move forward or to go backwards. There's always decisions. And Jonah looked up to heaven and said, why me? And decided, I will avoid the struggle. And God, in his goodness and mercy, turned his boat around by putting him, amen, in a great big fish. Amen. I thank God for his mercy and grace that even when I make the bad decision, he turns it around. Anybody excited about that? Is anybody thankful for the goodness of God that even when you make the wrong decision, his grace is there to catch you? Praise God. We look at Jacob and his theme and his, his mantra in life is every time there's a struggle, every time there's a challenge, every time there's something that, that rubs me wrong and I don't like it, amen, Jacob would turn tail and he would run. Amen. Every time there was something that presented itself as, amen, be truthful, he would choose a lie. Every time he could earn an honest living, he would be deceptive. Every time he could get a blessing in his name, he'd use his brother's name. That's the first sign of, uh, of, of identity theft in the Bible. He said, I'm Esau. Amen. That's how some people are. They wish this is what happens on, 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 on all these social media platforms. Uh, amen. Everybody out there catfishing. Everybody out there trying to provide, amen, an image of their life that is better than what it really is. And they want to be somebody else. Amen. But there's a struggle in front of you, uh, amen, to face. And if you'll face it, God will bless you who you are. And God will make you who you're supposed to be. Oh, hallelujah. But it'll never happen if you avoid problems. It'll never happen if you avoid hard times. It'll never happen if you avoid what God's trying to make you. Man, Jacob ran. When you look at the Bible, we find a man by the name of Saul. And every time, amen, something bad goes on, he was all good with being king as long as people were, were praising him and making him feel good. But the moment that struggle came, and the moment that Goliath showed up, he was no better than any soldier shaking in his boots, hiding. He didn't want anything to do with it. And he thought to himself, why me? Uh, I, I just thought I was going to be king during the good times. I thought I was going to be a king uh, without struggle. I thought I was going to be king uh, that didn't have to fight. Uh, amen. But I want to tell you, if God has ever called you to something uh, and there's going to be a struggle there, uh, God has already anointed you and God has already gifted you. Hallelujah. Amen. God could have looked right back at Saul and said, I don't need a king except for struggles. I don't need a king except for battles. I don't need a king. Amen. You're going to be the one to defend. You're going to be the one to fight. But instead, Saul said, why me? And he hid. Amen. But you can look through your Bible and you can find people that got a different revelation. Instead of looking at pain and saying, why me? Instead of looking at hard times and saying, why me? Instead of looking at struggles and saying, why me? There was another group in the Bible that looked at all those same things, and they had enough faith in God that said, why not me? <laughs> why not me? Why should it be somebody else? God's gifted me for this moment. 
There's people like Moses uh, that at first said, why me? Uh, but God gave a revelation of the I am that I am. Uh, and Moses looked back and said, well, I guess uh, if you're calling me, why not me? Uh, you could look at people like David and he'd say, I know I'm a young boy, but why not me? Uh, why can't I go down and fight? Uh, why can't I face the struggle? Uh, there's got to be a people of God that though the world says uh, we don't want to face it, uh, we want to avoid it. Uh, there's a church that runs down the valley and says, why not me? Uh, why not the church? Uh, why can't we face it? Uh, why can't we pray through it? Uh, why can't we worship through it? Oh, somebody clap your hands and magnify him. Somebody lift up your hands. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. You can live your whole life every time hard times show up and you can cry about it or you can make a decision. Amen, God, if you're bringing me to it, the old phrase said, you'll bring me through it. God, if you'll present me with this challenge because you've gifted me for this challenge. We can look through our Bible. We find a man by the name of Benaiah. Benaiah, he came by a, a, a lion in the time of winter snow. And he could have said, well, that's not my problem. That's a struggle that I can avoid. And for those that think avoidance is a solution, it's not. There's people like Benaiah that realize, if I don't kill this lion now, when it's a bad time, when it's a dark time, when it's a cold time, there might come a springtime. And when springtime shows up, this lion will kill somebody I care about. Church, we cannot be those that avoid struggle and avoid, avoid the problems that surround us and say, we'll let somebody else deal with it. We'll let, we'll let some politician deal with it. No, 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 no. We'll, we'll, let, we'll let somebody else to go ahead and take the struggle. No, we got to be like Benaiah that says it might not be a good time. It might be a dark time. It might be a cold time. But God, if you brought it into my path, I'm going to take care of it, and I'm going to take care of it now. Why not me? It can't be somebody else. You put this in my path. I'm not going to push it off on anybody else. I'm not going to avoid it. I'm going to face it. Look at Shammah. Shammah, the Bible says, all of his friends left him. All the other soldiers ran, but Shammah stood there on his lentil bean patch and said, I will fight to the very death, and I will not give up. He could have said, well, why couldn't it have been one of those other guys? The real reason is because Shammah was the only one willing to stand when everybody else ran. And often God will use people not based on their ability, not based on their skills, not based on their talents, but simply based on the fact that they stood when everybody else ran. They prayed when everybody else quit. They worshiped when everybody else stopped. They came to church when everybody else left. God uses people like that that says, why not me? We can look at Esther. Esther goes, and she could have said, it's not my problem. Why me, Mordecai? Why do I have to go in? But no. Esther said, the Bible says that you were called for such a time as this. And Esther goes in and reaches out for the scepter of the king and goes and becomes somebody who petitions for the life of Israel because she had a revelation. This might cause me pain. This might cause me death. But if I don't do something about it, a lot of people are going to be in pain and a lot of people are going to die. Gideon, God called him a mighty man of valor. And Gideon went and he fought the Midianites. He at first said, why me? Why can't it be somebody else? I'm the least of the least. Uh, amen. But the real reason was uh, God called him. 
was no other reason. God didn't say, well, because I thought you were the best man for the job. Amen. He said, you're the man for the job. Whether you're the best man for the job or not, I called you. Amen. Somebody needs to get a revelation right there that says you may not be the most talented. You may not be the best. But if God calls you, if God anoints you, if God speaks to you and says go head on and face it, run into it. Jesus could have very easily said, why me? Why not somebody else? But Jesus endured the cross. Somebody lift up their hands right now. And let's pray. There's a world out there that just, they cry, poor me, why me? And they avoid all of the struggles around them. But there's got to be a revelation that that comes to each and every Christian that says, why not me, God? Amen. You've given me your spirit. You've anointed me. And if anybody has the opportunity, if anybody has the potential for this, it is me. That's what makes, we, we think separation from the world is only based on external things. It's also the internal things. Christians don't have the same mindset as everybody else. And it is the fact that when we show up at first, we have the same mindset. But God starts to convert us. Much like we have in this moment with Samson. He could have said, why me? I didn't choose to be a Nazarite. Why me? I didn't want to live this kind of life where all, the, everywhere I go, there's an enemy rising up against me. Uh, amen. Samson came, amen, to this, this, he was just trying to go about his daily business. He was just trying to go, amen, and, and, and go meet his future wife. He was just trying to live a life. And on this path and journey of life, the Bible says that this young lion roared against him. And Samson could have very easily said, why me? Why does this always happen to me? Anybody ever felt like that? You just seem like, oh, man, it's just time after time after time. You get out of one struggle. You get out of one trouble. You get out of one fight. The Philistines already do this to you. And now, and now you're walking on the road of life, and now there's lions roaring at you. I can tell you in my 31, almost 32 years of life, I've never had a lion roar at me. So Samson had every right to say, why me? Samson could have avoided the fight because just so you know, that's always an option in life. It's always an option to say, why me? And it's always an option to say, not me. You have a choice that you can say, I'm not going to deal with that. I'm going to avoid it and hope it goes away. The Bible even says of Samson, he had nothing in his hands. Samson had every right to walk away because, after all, he was not equipped in his mind for that struggle that was in front of him. He did not feel equipped when the lion began to roar at him. He did not have any tools. He did not have any weapons. And Samson could have said, no, no, no. Why me? Why does this always happen to me? And he could have gone all the way to the point of avoiding it and said, I'll let somebody else challenge that. Not me, Lord. I'll let somebody else fight that battle for me. Got to be careful that we don't push off all these things in our life onto other people. Amen. And, and, and we don't face them. And so now our spouse has to face them through us. Hallelujah. 
Because we refuse to face the lions that roar in our lives. We start putting it off on other people. We start putting it off on the church. Well, they should, they should have to deal with that. No, 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 no. Amen. If you've got a bad attitude and it's roaring against you and you know God's telling you to face it head on, you can't avoid it and say, well, that's everybody else's problem. They can just have forgiveness in their hearts. If you've got bitterness roaring against you, you can't say, well, I'll just let everybody else handle that and, and I'll let that bite on everybody else. No, you've got to have the spirit that comes upon Samson. The Bible says he, he, he thought there's nothing in my hands. But I love this part of the Bible. The Bible says God moved on Samson. Hey, when you're lost and undone, you're in sin, you can say, well, I'm not equipped. I don't have the ability to overcome this addiction. I don't have the ability to forgive those that have wronged me. I don't have the ability. But everything goes out the window when God begins to move. I can't face this. I can't fight this. It's not my problem. And all of a sudden, you come to church on a Sunday afternoon, and you feel the Holy Ghost, and the preacher starts preaching, and the songs start going, and the worship starts moving, and God's Spirit starts to descend down and inhabit the praises of his people. Something begins to change in your mind. Something begins to shift in your atmosphere. Does anybody witness to that? Can anybody testify that when God moved, I could face the unfaceable? I could forgive the unforgivable. I could let go. Oh, somebody ought to clap your hands and give him praise. Samson, there's something about this. You can avoid it, but God starts moving. I thank God for every time because let's be real. We all have those options. Why me, not me, and why not me? But the why not me doesn't often show up in our flesh. For in my flesh, I want to avoid everything. In my flesh, I don't want to have that confrontation. In my flesh, I'd rather just act like it wasn't a problem. And if I don't tell anybody, there was no lion to begin with. You know, it's that kid that's scared of the dark, scared of monsters. And so they cover the blanket over their, over their head. If I can't see it, it can't see me. You'd be shocked how many people take that into their adult life. Oh. If I ignore it, it doesn't really exist. And yet in the back of your mind, it never stops roaring in your ears. Oh, hallelujah. And at the end of the day, you go home and you're in the dark and oh, you tell yourself the monster can't see me. The monster's roaring over you. And my Bible says the devil's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And that old devil, is, is he's just there roaring. He's there screaming in your ear. And you've got an option. You can say, I'll avoid it. I'll cover it up like it doesn't exist. Or you can let the Spirit of God move on you. You can let the Holy Ghost move on you and empower you to do what you did not have the power to do. You can let the Holy Ghost move on you and you can flick your cigarettes. You can let the Holy Ghost move on you and drugs can go out of your home and flush them down the toilet. You can let the Holy Ghost move on you and that anger you got pent up and that bitterness you got pent up. You can let it fly loose and say, no more, Lord, no more. Oh, somebody ought to clap your hands. Come on, that's going to happen for somebody today. When God starts moving on you, you got to let it go. you got to let it go. 
God starts moving. Samson's got nothing in his hand. And instead of avoiding the problems and avoiding the struggle, Samson feels God. And he says, all right, if God's moving on me, this must be an opportunity for me. Some people think that God moving on them is just an opportunity just to, just to dance. Hey, I believe in dancing, praise God. And that, I think it's a, if God moves on you, you ought to, you ought to, you ought to move. <laughs> Hallelujah, that's another story for another time. So many people want God to move, but they, they are statues. I want God to move, but I refuse to move. No, 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 no. If you want God to move, you got to be willing to move yourself. Something changes when you say, God, you're moving. And Samson said, I don't got nothing in my hand, but I got the Spirit of God in my heart. I don't have any weapons. I don't have any tools, but I feel God moving. And if God is presenting me with this, it's no longer a struggle to Samson. It's now an opportunity to overcome. It's no longer a challenge that he can avoid or run from, but now it's an opportunity for him to get a testimony of the goodness of God. God is moving. If God moves on you, it's for a reason. If God moves on you, he's got to get a testimony. Oh, somebody ought to clap your hands. Samson goes down with nothing in his hand, and God gives him the strength to overcome all the struggles that are facing him. I don't know this afternoon what's roaring in your world, but I want you to know that God is greater than it all. Somebody lift up their hands and let's pray. I'm just about done, being pre done preaching, but I want you to know that, that there's a lot that might be roaring in your world, but if you'll let God move on you. Amen. My Bible says in Hebrews, they stop the mouths of lions. You have that ability, amen, to say, devil, you can shut up. You can stop roaring in my life. Amen. All these struggles and all these trials, they're just opportunities and a testimony. And through the power of God, Samson won that battle. Don't ever forget how we win our battles. We don't win our battles through gossip. We win it through the gospel. We... We don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't win our battles through a bad attitude. We win it through praying. We win it through worshiping God. We win it through saying, Lord gives, the Lord takes away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. We win our battles when we open his word. We win our battles when we let the spirit of God move. We win our battles when we come to church and worship together. Something transpires in that moment. He won that battle. And he goes on his life to be challenged by the Philistines, to be challenged by other struggles. Because th some people think that once they get through one battle, it's all over. They want it all. And they've got their golden ticket to heaven. They're just, just going to fly up there and meet Jesus right away. And they don't have to ever struggle again. No, 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 no. Whenever God helps you win one struggle, whenever God helps you win one battle, it's equipping you for the next one. Because if God can help you win with nothing in your hand, uh, eventually you'll pick up a jawbone and God will give you power over a thousand Philistines. Because struggles might be in succession and struggles might continue, but so do victories. And so, 
The challenges might continue and they might compound, but so does the faith that you build from one trial to the next, from one struggle to the next, and what you would not have had faith for had you avoided it. Now God lets you go through some things that everybody said should have killed you, but you say you don't know like I know. You should have seen that lion that roared. You don't. I wish I had a few people that would praise God. I wish I had a few people that had a testimony that you, I should have been dead a long time ago. I should have backslid a long time ago, but God gave me strength to overcome this, which gave me the strength to overcome that. I wish somebody would worship God. I wish somebody would worship God. Stand across this building and give God praise. That struggle's an opportunity. That struggle is a chance at proving what God can do. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody ought to worship him. Somebody ought to praise him. That lie in the drawing is an opportunity. Samson goes about his life and he comes back after a little while. Because sometimes after you come through the fight of your life, take a little time. <laughs> and when you come back, Brother Jonathan, open your eyes. See, I don't believe it's I don't believe it's the will of God for us to dwell in the past. <laughs> Somebody said that there's there's a reason that your windshield is much bigger than your rear view mirror. You don't live back there. You don't you don't you know some people are always saying, "Well, the best was way back here." Oh, those were the days. Man, you need to get some new you need to get some new glasses. Cuz that's, that's Egypt. That's, that's the Israelites that go, oh, the leeks and garlic of Egypt. But they, like, forget the whip and the, the fact that they were slaves. You know, oh, the leeks and garlic. I don't even like garlic that much. I love garlic. But not that much that I'd want to whip on my back. But there's something about that. Nothing wrong with sometimes taking a stroll down memory lane. Because sometimes you got to go down memory lane. And remember what the Lord has done. You got to look back in your memory and say, God has been too good to me. Sometimes uh, you got to be like David that says, give me Goliath's sword, the very sword I cut the head of the giant off of. And sometimes uh, it's your past victories uh, that give you victory in your present. I wish somebody would look back in their mind and give God praise. Somebody ought to shout. Somebody ought to clap their hands and magnify. He goes back down memory lane. And this time, he got his, he got his glasses on. And he looks in the carcass of the lion. And he sees something. Gold. And, you know, those things. That, that very thing that roared at him. That very struggle he countered. Uh, that very thing he wanted to avoid. Uh, that very thing that was not, his, was not his business he didn't have to deal with. He could have just said, why me and uh, not me. But instead he decided, uh, why not me. And he went after it. And he fought it. And he killed it with nothing in his hand. By the grace of God. And now he's got something golden. 
That sounds a little gross to me. I don't know if I'd eat honey out of the carcass of an animal, but they live in a desert, so probably the only cold place. I don't know. But he goes back, and he takes that honey, and he doesn't just want to look at it, but he tries it, and it's sweet. It's in that moment he gets a riddle. It's in that moment he gets a revelation that not everybody has. You know, the people that avoid everything that's hard, they don't get this revelation. Hallelujah. The people that always say, well, let everybody else deal with it, but not me. They don't get this revelation. And he shows back up. He gives it to everybody else, and he blesses all those. Amen. Can I help you here today? What you went through as a struggle was not there to make you bitter. It was there to make you better. What you go through in a struggle is there to be a blessing to other people. Let me just tell you, you want to know whether or not you, you, you have won or lost in a trial? It's how you come out of that trial. I'm just meddling here today. But how you come out of that trial, amen, is more important than how you got into that trial. I know people that come out of the trial of their life and they, got, they look like they sucked on a lemon for six months. And they have every right to do that. But you want to know whether you're successful or not in the trial? It's after you take the whooping of your life. People lie on you. People step on you. People spit on you. And Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Oh, I wouldn't. That's real Christianity. I know it's not easy, but it's right. There's something that happens where you pull out of your old struggles, and it makes you sweeter than you were before. It makes you pray more than you did before. It makes you a better worshiper than you were before. Something changes, but it only comes when you face the struggle. Peace is best expressed after you come through the storm. Light shines brightest when you're going through the darkness. Joy is more, point, is more potent uh, when you come through hard things and sad times. Faith uh, is proved uh, when you've been through the fire. Praise uh, means a whole lot more uh, when you know uh, what you could have been and when you know uh, what you should have been and when you know uh, what should have happened. But God. You want to know what gives your shout power? When you know that had it not been for Jesus, had it not been for the... Oh, I wish somebody would shout. I want to open up this altar. The sweetness is in the struggle. And if you face it, if you go into that challenge, something changes in you. Somebody worship the Lord. Let's clap our hands unto Jesus. Devil, you should have left me alone a long time ago. You should have never roared at me. You should have never messed with my family. You should have never messed with my church. You should you should have gone about your merry way, but because I faced it, because I challenged it, I'm sweeter than I was before. I'm somebody ought to worship the Lord. Somebody ought to praise the Lord. Come on. 
There's sweetness when you go through hard things. There's goodness when you go through struggle. There's power. Why don't you begin to worship the Lord if you know God's brought me a mighty long way. Come on, I want to invite you to this altar. If you feel comfortable, whatever you're facing, I challenge you to challenge it. I challenge you to face it and go headlong and say, Devil, I refuse to quit. I refuse to lose. There's sweetness coming out of it. This is holy ground. Satan, back up and get your hands off of me because I refuse to lose. I have authority. I've got the victory. I've got the victory. I've got the victory. Come on, it's been a while since you let loose and worship God. I want to challenge you right now. Devil, you see this right here? I've got the victory. You got you with a roar at me and killed me. But I praise him a little more than I was before. I've got the victory. I've got the victory. 
Now hold on, I want to help somebody. There's, a, there's two groups here today. There's some that right now, life's doing all right. That doesn't mean it's perfect. But you're thinking back down memory lane saying, God's been good to me. I got the victory. Man, there ain't nothing like, nothing like the victory. There's another group, though, that's in the middle of it. They ain't got nothing in their hand. They got bills showing up, no money in their hand. They don't feel well. Doctor's report ain't good. But God's moving. And you almost have to stay in faith. See, that's... I know people that aren't Christians that go through hard times. So, lest we puff ourselves up and think we're the only ones that go through it. It rains on the just and on the unjust. But there's a difference about how we go through it. We go through it because we got this revelation of their sweetness in the struggle. It's that moment where Job says, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. There's a revelation that says when I get done with this Job, I'm going to have double for my trouble. There's something that happens. You know, there's something I learned a long time ago. When the devil tells you what he's going to do to you, you better mark it down. It's just not going to happen. He's a, li- he's a liar, and the Bible says he's the father of lies. Because if he had the authority to kill you, you'd already be dead. And if we learn anything about Job and Job's life, everything that came into Job's life came by permission of God. Well, the devil showed up and said, well, he'll never serve you because he's got a hedge about him. And God says, okay, hedge gone. Do whatever you want. Just don't kill him. That sounds pretty cruel. But you know what the real story is? God was giving Job an opportunity at a testimony. Well... You know, skin for skin will a man give an exchange for his soul. He's, if you made it to where he's no longer healthy, he'll curse God and die. He said, go ahead, just don't kill him. Because I still got a plan for him. And Job, scraping boils off of his diseased body. He begins to say, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But it devil you can't have my praise devil you can't have my joy I don't feel good right now I don't see where it's gonna come through but God I'm gonna give you praise in the midst of the struggle I wish somebody would give God praise and in faith declare I got the victory Sweetness is coming. Blessings are coming. Worship the Lord. I got the victory. 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 I got the